Discipline Stoners. The gateway drug to mindfulness. Gateway drug to mindfulness. Let's roll one up and take a hit. Gateway drug to mindfulness. Let's roll one up and take a hit. Gateway drug to mindfulness. And welcome back to another episode of Discipline Stoners. I'm your host, Eleven. My name's Winnie. And we are the Gateway Gateway Drug Drug to to Mindfulness. Mindfulness. And today, we have... Okay, if you thought I was smart... Hold on. (laughs) I don't know how to put this. If you... this, There are cannabis professionals. There are professionals in the cannabis industry. And then there are cannabis professionals. Those one with the plant that you cannot detach them from the plant they become the plant and they often the plant become named parts of the plant okay and so our next guest <laughs> is all up in the cannabis space wrote the cannabis program at durham and centennial college wrote can cell inve- invented the hash kettle okay so there this is, these are just a few things that our guest has uh, contributed to the cannabis community. We'll get into more, I'm sure, but please give a big warm welcome to Johan! That was too loud, I'm sorry. Get your joints up, get your joints up. Thanks for joining us, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Love. Um, Why don't we start by, since our introductions still need work, uh, why don't we let you sort of give yourself an introduction? Tell us who you are because you are we just did it very so, messily. so eloquent. No, that, that was great. You really did sum it up perfectly. Um, I guess the only thing I could really add is that I come from the education world. Like uh, cannabis is a passion for me. It's part of my life. Like you said, you really can't separate me and uh, the cannabis plant. I use it medically. Yes. I have fibromyalgia, diagnosed with fibro very, very young, and I use... Um, cannabis to treat my fibro very effect- effectively wow. because other medications didn't work. So I, I came into the industry from um, perspective of medical cannabis as a personal user mm. and also from an education perspective because I'm an educator. I was an autism therapist for about 10 years oh. in California and here in Ontario. And when Doug Ford came into power, he kind of threatened to take away funding for families with uh, kids who have autism. So I had to take a hard look at my life and I was like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? And I decided to marry my passions for cannabis and education and found an opportunity at Durham College, which you mentioned, uh, to create the cannabis program there, to build a cannabis program at Centennial College and to write the CanSell retail cannabis training program. Uh, So that's how I came into the cannabis industry. That is so next level. Just to clarify for folks, especially watching in America, can sell is what you need to be to be a bud tender in Canada. So it's like if you work in the service industry, you have to get like a food safe or something. And if you're going to sell cannabis, you have have to to go through this program put together by our brilliant man, Joe here. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so cool. And Eleven and I did it together two years ago now um, on separate. I was on a laptop. He was on a computer and we were doing it simultaneously so you guys didn't cheat right you weren't mm-hmm. helping each other mm-hmm. no, 100 percent. no we were she silent ask, the whole time she asked me a question actually i was like when no <laughs> the makers of this would not appreciate that you'd no, be crazy i've been yeah i yeah, follow all the no, rules dude no just like every stoner and uh <laughs> it took a good amount of time but we definitely learned a lot actually yeah it's a good fundamental cover uh, it's good. It needed some touch-ups, to be honest. It, it does need to be revamped, not only because the cannabis industry moves so quickly. So fast. But some information isn't accurate, to be honest. So the CanCell program, it isn't perfect, and it needs some updating. And uh, I don't know what they're doing right now to keep it updated. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think they 
bring in new versions of it. But that I, you know, it was great at the time. I think it could use an update soon. I was looking at it from the perspective of like if someone like wanted a job, like you know, like some people just like want a job in retail, and they're not like so well versed in fashion styles, you know. And it's like, well, this would be helpful to actually have like a directory to at least start digging. You know, so I thought it was played a great role yeah. in someone's like new venture into cannabis. In, in I think your example of um, food or alcohol is a better one because it is kind of like a food handling certificate or like a, what is it when you get alcohol training for? I think it's like, all under the the food smart safe serve. Smart, smart serve. Yeah, yeah. it was smart food serve. safe in That's BC, it. I think. Yeah, so I, I think it's like a smart serve, and uh, if you look at the groups that actually put it together, it's very similar. Uh, so I was contracted by the AGCO, the Alcohol Gaming Commission of Ontario, who handles the, all of those kinds of things, and it was also in partnership with Mad Canada, who's really oh, well known cool. Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Who no way. So they're very anti-alcohol, right? Um, so it, it was a partnership between the AGCO and Mad Canada that created the CanSell retail training program. Hmm. Crazy. I wonder if, um, this is so off topic, but I, I mean, it's not really, but I wonder if people would think differently about MAD if it was like, mothers for sober driving. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't know. Possibly. No, I think that would go over well, much better. Um, so I had to integrate material that they created into CanSell. You remember the mad modules yes with the white dude with the white hair yes. Yes. who just repeated the <laughs> regulations word for word over and over remember you cannot sell it was it was the driest thing i couldn't do anything with it i couldn't you know color it up i couldn't animate it so i just had to put it in there as it was um and it doesn't read well, it, yeah. it doesn't go over well, you yeah. gloss immediately and you're just like, get me through this. If it was a woman, uh, first of all, so not an old white balding <laughs> man with white hair, Facts. it's like, I think we're so over those kinds of people with messaging to us. Yeah, yeah. Don't, um, don't tell me anything, right? old white man, you know nothing now. <laughs> so I think there is that, that it wasn't very like present-minded of them to choose to put an old white man uh, in the video for cancel. Well said. So they could have chosen a woman. That would have been a smart choice. And I think they could have come at it with a, more creativity or edginess to appeal to for people sure. so we would want to listen. Like stoners? Like, like imagine appealing to people who know about the plant because by design they're stoners? <laughs> Yo, um, I have... What are you doing? I just want to ask. Yeah. How does one come in such contact with such information about cannabis? Like you are one of the most fluid wealths of First. knowledge like in cannabis that I've met and interacted with. Like what has been the process and journey of you collecting all this information? Because like to be honest, like you strike me almost as a savant of the plant. Like when I speak to musician, you have a certain like intelligent energy about you where you're extremely focused. It's either played a tremendous role in your healing, which you re you touched For on. Sure. But like, what has it been like going? Where have you found the resources to find this plant, or is it firsthand? No, that's that's a great question. It's a combination of both. Um, so I started using cannabis when I was 12 years old, very very young. My parents were pro cannabis. 
So nice. that, that helped not living in a home at a young age where cannabis was restricted, where information was not restricted. In fact, like I found a pound of pot in my parents' closet when I was 12 and um, started selling it very, very young. And my mother ran a tropical plant maintenance company here in Toronto, very well known. So mm. they educated me on it at a young age mm. rather than most families that would like shut hide down it. that conversation or hide it or shun it or punish you. Um, we just set boundaries around it like I had to finish my homework before I could smoke a joint and nice. that kind of stuff but I, I was uh, brought into it very young so yes on a personal level I learned a lot from my own exposure to it at a young age but then also um, and your mom's a botanist is She's not a botanist. She she ran Toronto's largest tropical plant maintenance company for many years. Okay. So all of the tropical plants in the Eaton Center, the Toronto um, Toronto Young Eglinton Center, oh, no way. the banks, Royal Bank, those beautiful, uh, all of those beautiful pieces. tropical flowers, yeah, wow. and plants. So like the Western Harbor Castle Hotel, those kinds of places. Shit. We would be there very early in the morning, hands in the dirt, seven a.m. doing Whoa. all those plants. So I got that education very young. So you know about some photosynthesis from time. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, yeah. And, and actually that smell, like being in a greenhouse, is something that's very, being in a grow room and being around plants is very um, calming and yes. centering for me. I, yeah. could, I, I hope I get to do it for the rest of my life. I feel very blessed to be in the cannabis industry for that reason. Blessed. Blessed. Oh, what, what? Shout out Blessed Edibles. Wow. Uh, then on the other side of things, like the formal education piece, I think, it's we've been limited we've been yes. limited because cannabis is an oral tradition and it is an oral knowledge like indigenous uh, knowledge and tradition yes is very largely oral and that's because it's been prohibited and, and forced into the underground for so many years so we've had to pass it down from master to student and as a result there hasn't been formal documentation of cannabis studies until very very recently we have dr mehulam in israel in the 1970s and that's when we started researching it and formalizing uh, white papers or, or research on cannabis. Um, because I come from a background of psychology, sociology, and education, I'm into reading academic papers. It's I, I like reading academic papers. I don't read that's... books. I read journals. Um, and so I pair my passion for cannabis in a personal level with my interest in knowing about research about cannabis. Yes. Where do you find these papers to read? So you know how you can do a Google search? Yeah. Have you ever heard of Google Scholar? No. Next time you do a Google search, type in Google Scholar and then do that search, you will only get academic papers as your results. This, this information right here, <laughs> there it is. Okay, and then you can organize it by date, you can organize it by topic, you can, it's, it's a wealth of resource Google oh provides God. to us. Uh, another place is the Cannabis Stats Hub which is provided by Health Canada, actually. So we have a, a resource of local data, at least, where you can pull information from a place called the Cannabis Stats Hub here in, here in Canada that's um, managed by Health Canada. Wow, that's so crazy. So when you were creating these programs at Durham and Centennial, were you given free reign to like do whatever, like, you were. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. Who's going to guide him? I love that you went into this because that's really where this conversation goes. Is like, where did I get the information to build yeah. all of these courses? Yeah. Um, and something I have to tell my students every semester is there is no textbook. Like, they're all mm. like, where do I buy the textbook? Yeah. There, there is none. Nobody has written uh, a cannabis studies textbook yet. There, there are grow books. There are research journals. There's nothing in between. So you have everything from like, 
how to make hash, how to grow weed from people in California way back, right? The old growers, the Ed Rosenthal's of the world. Um, but, and then you have the academic papers, but you don't have anything in between to translate this dense information or this really specialized information like how to grow or how to make hash yes. into the layperson's language. And that was my challenge is how do I take um, really specialized content Yes. And, or how do I take really academic content and write it in a way that the middle of the world can totally understand it and benefit yes. from it? T take how to build a fighter jet and then teach people how to buy an airline ticket and catch a plane. Right? <laughs> like somewhere in between there must be kind knowledge that's helpful. And that was it. And I like that analogy because uh, something we've been saying in the cannabis industry as an analogy is we're building an airplane in the sky. Uh, because we are inventing things as we go. We're learning every day about cannabis. Yeah. Um, and we talked before we started here about, you know, we have to, and we talked about it actually in the show about cancel and we have to update it because the cannabis industry goes so fast. Um, so how did I write it and where did I pull from? I pulled a lot from academic journals. So my students are reading the same journals that I read, where I learned from. They're reading news articles. They're watching videos. Uh, something I really have them do is I... I open them up to this idea of critical thinking because yes. we have to be oh, critical thinkers oh. in this world. Be careful, buddy. Be careful. No, let's go okay. down there. No. All right, you two, be, be easy on us. Go. I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm saying, okay? All right, for like half of our audience, take it easy, okay? Sorry, continue. So I, I teach critical thinking, okay. um, and in doing so, I, I basically say I don't take an opinion on anything. I don't go on one side or the other, totally. to your point, kind of what you're warning about. It's like I don't take sides on any issue, and I think that there are many contentious issues in life that are contentious for a reason. There's yes. good evidence on both sides of those issues that people gravitate towards. And, and confirmation I, bias. And confirmation bias, and we live in a world of gray, not black and white, and people are just... Yes, sir. Uh, okay, but you know, to to that point, I think that where was I going with this? We were writing the course. Um, yeah, you teach critical thinking. Critical thinking. Sorry, Thank before you. I, I appreciate made it a that. Jackass joke. Uh, so we're being bombarded with content about cannabis. We're being bombarded by headlines and articles and videos and all kinds of information. And I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to gather all of that information and archive it for my students, pair it with some research ac academic level information, expose them all to it and get them to talk about it and dissect it and deep dive on it, uh, give them some talking points to think about about it, the things that I'm still learning, the things I've learned and I'm still learning about it. And really the, the most beautiful thing about my course is that because there's no textbook and because the curriculum evolves, the discussion evolves every semester, and I'm learning from my students, and my students, like it's this organic process. It's now. It's now. Yeah, it's constantly now, which is really great, and I, and I feel very lucky that Centennial College specifically has provided me that platform serious. to do it. Shout yeah. out Centennial. You no, know, serious shout out to Centennial. Like they're a, thank you. Please. You're, you've gotta, you gotta recognize that this is a conservative, bureaucratic organization that has decided to Right? Teach students about the cannabis industry. Um, thank God. Thank God. Because someone got to, it's got to start happening bit yeah. by bit. And, uh, you know, even to hear you say that and to hear all this, um, <clears throat> we've all been at O Cannabis and, and seen, you know, this very hippie culture make its way into this kind of mainstream situation and, and what an oxymoron that is. Yeah. And even you say, like, you know, 
like you know like these these very structured ways of perceiving the the plant which is so necessary we need the journals the documentation so much about cannabis is so magical it's up here it's yes. mystic it's it made me listen to nature or god or whatever you want to call it like how how to quantify that mm. and 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 value that like that's you know it's but I so admire the work you're doing because it's such a necessary part in the third dimensional step towards putting a, I don't want to call it a price tag, but a frame <laughs> around why, why. So I ask you why, because you mentioned some healing points with it, right? Like yeah. is that, is that, you said it was in your family, but like it, it's, it's a deeper compadre with you, I feel, the cannabis. Cause it is. Yeah. You, you know, you've, uh, for me, I, I've used it to heal so much like emotional reactive time, of course, right? Like aggression and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but I know it like literally has incredible effects on diagnosed diseases. Like I'm diagnosed Tourette's, so, you know, so it's like whew, helps me breathe and yes. stuff like that. So I feel a lot of folks who would have pain or discomfort in their life that found love and an easier life because of it. Like, you know, they're, they're connected at the hip with it for a reason. I'd love to hear some of your Yeah, I think that, that's a really good point. I love that angle. Um, I think there definitely is a relationship also between like my interest in formalizing cannabis and what I recognize as the benefits in the plant. Like, like it's a medicine for real. Yeah. And in these cannabis retail stores where we're buying these products, uh, they can't talk about that. <laughs> so we need to be able to talk about the endocannabinoid system and what's happening to our bodies when we interact with these and what homeostasis <laughs> is and how the endocannabinoid system and the hypothalamus are connected. So there, there's all this stuff happening. This uh, is, for, for what you just said, it's, it sounds very smart, and it is, but in 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 in, in plain sight, in in a quick glance, it kind of it regulates your brain messengers. That's exactly what the hypothalamus. That's exactly what I'm right? talking about. Yes, here. sir. Okay, cannabis interacts with your body in a way to regulate you to a point of homeostasis. There are some fun so so we're talking about body temperature. We're talking about mood, like hunger, happy state, like basic okay this is this is an interesting conversation and again this is an area where we're still learning every single day by the way this this is khalifa mints isn't it this is z splitter is it z splitter i knew it was yeah. ghost drops. like yeah. it tastes classic it's, like headwater ghost drops <laughs> yes so very good, good flavor. oh yeah. so good yeah we love we love that yeah i bust open the z splitter nice yeah i, I find it Thanks higher on the absolutely brother please what's mine is yours yeah. okay so what, what were we talking about again remind me this is working <laughs> yes, um, I was just asking your journey into cannabis and how it's helped you heal or make a you know a better I guess life for yourself or the I don't know the trophy of life that came with cannabis. And yeah, hundred percent. And I think we were also talking about how you can't talk about the medical oh, benefits right. in the stores. Yes. Yeah. Uh, endocannabinoid system, problem. the regulation, the problem of not being able to talk about it. Yeah, the endocannabinoid system. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's yeah. we need to like you know. I mean, without getting too political, like, do you think this information's been like kept away because it? Oh can... wow, we want to have that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> okay. sorry. I, I, no, I it's cool. It's obvious. I, I teach my students this in in my class, cannabis and society. Not um, to throw a rock at a brick wall, but just to be like, it's probably. Let's go down the conspiracy road for a minute. <laughs> do you want to? Yeah. I live there. I yeah, live there. Absolutely. Harry Anslinger. We all know about Harry Anslinger. 
No. Oh man, he's the uh, the first drug enforcer in the United States. He essentially created cannabis prohibition as we know it. Oh. He was the head shit. of the Bureau of Federal Narcotics, or Federal Bureau of Narcotics. That's wow. what I think it was called back in the early 1900s. <coughs> and it, he was mostly a racist dude. <laughs> we, we had go our figure. Yeah, go figure. We had our equivalent here in Canada. Her name was Emily Murphy. Yes, mm. I know Emily. We know Emily, right? Yeah. She um is really well known for being the first female magistrate and doing a lot of great things for women. But what's lesser known, perhaps, is that she was xenophobic and she had ties to people who practiced eugenics at the University of Alberta, who sterilized indigenous women, and then who brought that technology to the Holocaust in Germany. Holy oh, fuck. fuck, did not know that last part. So they've been clicked up for time. Holy they've been clicked up for time. Fuck. So there's that connection. And then prohibition is also tied into all of that and racism and control of people and population. Uh, so let's talk about that first, Systemic. and then we can go to the plant. Yes. Uh, so we have to also remember this, this plant was legal in the United States. It was in the United States Pharmacopeia. Uh, we had people selling it in pharmacies and apothecaries. They were grinding it up. They were turning it into capsules. They were turning it into tinctures. You can go online. You can Google cannabis tinctures, and the new ones won't come up. The old ones will. We have companies like Eli Lilly, who are multi-billion dollar multinational corporations today, pharmaceutical corporations, who sold cannabis tinctures Fuck. back in the early 1900s. No way. It, way. it was totally accepted for many, many years. It was sold and it was completely a normal thing. And this is also in a time in the early 1900s when we would use Chinese medicine and uh, all kinds of different holistic practices to healing. This is, you know, unfortunately the same time that we had snake oil salesmen. Right. So, so yes, we had all of these amazing practices coming online like acupuncture and holistic medicines and diff all kinds of different permutations, but you also had these people who were swindling and selling all kinds of different concoctions and there was no evidence that it worked. Just so, here in my garage. Yeah, but there was <laughs> a lot of that. Still today. Still exists today. So the, the government, the regulators of the world were like, well, this is a problem. We, you know, we have to do something about this. Yeah. And uh, a really well-known guy by the name of John D. Rockefeller. Mm. Does that name sound familiar to you guys <laughs> yeah. at all? Rockefeller, yeah. the first billionaire in the world ever. One of the most powerful families in the world. One of the most powerful families in the world. John D. Rockefeller, uh, at the time, was um, very well known for petrochemicals. He had oil refineries. He had so many, I think it was called Imperial Oil at the time, uh, that the government forced him to break it apart into what we know as uh, Shell, Exxon. Like he owned a conglomerate of all of the oil companies. Just all of them. All of Holy. them. And they forced him to break them apart because there was no competition and he owned them all. It it's was, like if Jay-Z owned Spotify and Apple Music. Well, they're actually <laughs> trying to do that to uh, a couple companies right now. They're trying to split them up. Really massive conglomerates because they're saying it's just it's too big um, and it's it takes away fair competition. Pepsi Lay's. Uh, those massive conglomerates, like we know the whole world is run by what, five companies or something like Walmart. that? Yeah. Unilever, <laughs> yeah. PG, and Procter and Gamble, P&G, oh, yeah. Unilever, uh, Johnson & Johnson, like there's only five companies that own all the other companies. Pfizer. That is so wild. Um, oh, so fuck. John D. Rockefeller, this, 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 is, this is where we're going, right? <laughs> <laughs> this, this whole YouTube just it's got a, demonetized. We're here for the culture, baby. <laughs> You asked, I mean, here yes, we go. Sir, please, please, so you want to see where this goes back into cannabis, yes, right? Please, okay, please, so John D. Rockefeller gets his fingers into medicine. He sees that his petrochemicals can actually create vitamins, like vitamin C. Um, and so, you know, this is really well needed at the time because the American population is not very 
well nutrition, uh, a lot of malnutrition going on around. So he actually has chemists working in petrochemical labs creating vitamins and minerals and different things that are really essential for our bodies. And he brought in a whole new school of medicine called allopathic medicine. And it was a different way of treating people. And he used his money to shut down medical schools that used holistic medicine. He bribed government. He did all kinds of stuff to try and control medicine in America. And it worked. And the old medical schools and medical practices shut down. The apothecaries shut down. The old doctors retired. And a whole new world of medicine that's about treating people with pills and uh, right. It's just a totally different method of analyzing, Capitalistic. assessing, and they their clients, their Correct. patients. It's a very different <clears throat> method of of working with human beings, and so that's what's happened. And part of that, uh, to bring it back to cannabis, is that cannabis was uh, and also tied into racism, used by a lot of different people as a way to relax at the end of a day instead of drinking alcohol. They, you know, you a lot of Asian mm. people used heroin. A lot of South American people used cannabis. So there's that racial element tied into it, and that's where the xenophobia and racism parts come in. But um, in the early 1900s, Harry Anslinger, at the end of alcohol prohibition, is like, oh, shoot, what do I do to legitimize my job? Alcohol prohibition's <laughs> over. Like, I don't have anything to prohibit they anymore. They need the position, yo. And he's friends with, like, William Randolph Hearst, who owns a huge newspaper conglomerate. And he's friends with all of these wealthy, rich, white racist people and so they decided to um it also friends with by the way what what company is it? i'm trying to remember i teach this to my students Hélène Eluter dupont the dupont petrochemical factory Ooh. also friends with these buddies all these rich people right and at the time the dupont factory was creating kevlar mylar um like refrigerant stuff they make everything right you look in your cabinets right now you have products from dupont everybody does. yeah oh yeah for sure i know i've seen it everybody sees 100 percent. It. it's in your house and yeah. so so dupont <laughs> saw hemp and cannabis as a threat to the economy there it is and they they there was this just mess of events that came together where you've got rich white people in power um a lot of xenophobia uh, bad economy because of the Great Depression and this new commodity called hemp cannabis that's kind of coming onto the scene and creating some stir and the people in power didn't want that to happen. So they yeah. suppressed the upheaval, arguably. This is one argument. The other side of the coin is they were trying to create stability. Uh, cannabis is disruptive. Look at what's, what's happening <laughs> right now to our economy uh, and everything that's going on. Cannabis is very disruptive. So I <laughs> think that... It certainly is. It's very disruptive. So I think they were maybe just trying to stabilize the economy. That's the counter argument is they were not trying to suppress cannabis. They were just trying to not destabilize an already destable economy. Do you know what's so crazy? I actually believe that you <coughs> don't have... <coughs> You're not leaning in either direction. Your your energy is really like that's beautiful, which man. I think is kind of a challenge for everyone. For me, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just for like, me, bro. Yeah, I, I just made a fucking sign over here. I'm gonna go pick it from this fucking shit. Fuck the man, you know. But he's yeah. like actually objectfully understanding yeah. it. Wow. It's sick. I mean, it's the world we live in. Uh, my dad actually taught me something a long time ago about the whole gun debate thing, um, whether you're pro-gun or anti-gun, whatever. Uh, I don't care. Again, I don't pick sides. But um, my dad made a really interesting point about people who are super pro-gun. And he was like, do you think you will ever have more guns than the government? 
Are you ever mm. going to own a fighter jet? Are you going to have like it's never going to happen? A tank? Where are you going to park a tank, dog? <laughs> you know, like what's the game here in stockpiling firearms? Like, what are you doing here? So, if you want to have a couple guns because it's fun and you do it for sport, then do that. But like, you don't have to go full tilt on these things. Yeah. And, and what I've noticed in my life is that when anybody picks a side on anything, you start ignoring confirmation bias. You yes. said it earlier. Mm -hmm. You start ignoring information. Yes. So I tend to not pick sides on any issue in life because Super smart. I, I'm oh, open wow. to hearing it all. I don't want to shut myself off to any perspective. Mm. Oh, I feel like that's <clears throat> such in line with the plant as well. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what it, it's opened my perspective to. We really need to hear that sometimes. Yeah. I think we get even caught up in using the process of elimination to find out who we are. We get caught in a modality of critiquing everything. Mm. But like, yeah, to stay open to everything as though it is nature, because it is a manifestation of nature, Yes. and not react to it, well, it's certainly a lot easier for your heart. Yes, <laughs> I, I, that, that aligns with how I feel about the universe. I think that the universe um, says yes all the time. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm a yes and kind of a person. I, like, that's kind of how people know me. When we somebody, met in an improv troupe. <laughs> we know yes this. And. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, yes and. Like, that's how I kind of live my life. And I actually learned that, um, funny you say improv. Yeah. So as an autism therapist, I was taught by a guy who was taught in improv. And he firmly believed that to be a very good autism therapist, you need to tap into improv. Mm -hmm. And there's um, a French therapist who is a clown very well known for clowning and improv mm. and he became an autism therapist and he was like the best he's the best in the world uh there are a lot of people who use improv in business and like like it's not just for people who want to do comedy improv mm -hmm. is good for people who just want to tap into flow yes and who want to work well with people and just learn to listen that's it and like the reason probably why you become better aut autistic like for someone who works with them is because they're the best improvers in the world because they can navigate and have free association <laughs> and it's just like unbiased. They're free flowing constantly. Yeah, like we are, we, even me as a rapper, I think of something that to, will rhyme with that thing, but I'm like, but that's not cool enough to say. Like literally I'll be all- You have to audit that information. I have to like organize it. They're just like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, fuck dude, just like unstoppable. No filter. <laughs> but you know, working with no filter is not the best thing in life. We well. I, yeah, like I said, diagnosed Tourette's, it does happen. <laughs> oh, I didn't yep, realize I said that to your does. friend, Winnie. Sorry, I'll never be seeing you guys again. So so it, can I ask you about that? Are we yes, allowed sir, to? Absolutely, yeah, please. Is that a thing that happens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that like monthly, weekly? Um, it depends. I know this is your show, but no, now I'm interviewing you. No, please. You. Like, no, not at all. It depends uh, the liability of the situations and their frequency. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's more of a question of that. So it's probably like one out of four. I think something happens. It depends if I'm allowed to be me. Yeah. Like we met at an event where I was just allowed to be me. So what does and, that mean, allowed to be you? Uh, He's no not one's feeling constrained. No one's putting a status quo on the on the uh, who's allowed to uh, affect or take up space or give or receive. Like, you know. I've performed at you know some like black tie events that are like you're only, you only take up this small little square over here and like you you don't affect anything or you're out of here. That's just I that's mean, a trigger for you. I'll take the envelope and leave, but like fine, like if you want me to perform, but <clears throat> always happy to entertain. But uh, yeah, it's it's when I'm in situations 
when I observe humans uh, shrinking themselves, I'll be like, mm mm. Ooh, I love that. I love the way you open that motherfucking heart, bitch. Like, you should stop faking like you don't got a heart because you do. (laughs) And I'm just like a bad kid like that. Like, I'm not really scared to break this down. No, that's beautiful. I love that. You see the shrinkage and you just want to pop it out of people. I, I think you deserve to show all that heart. That's really where it is. And some people take it as dominance. And I'm like, no, I'm like literally doing the opposite. Well, I'm trying think, to nurture I you. I think at one point it did express itself as dominance because you I'm a bit didn't of a street know. kid. It, it's it's being an outsider observing from the outside it's evolved over the last 14 years right. immensely. Like yeah. where you're at now, the amount of like self-control that you have now with it is What happened the other day? Something happened the other day and we just walked away like let's hear it. I love stories. I did really fucking good. <laughs> I think we talked about it on the podcast when homie touched my jacket. Oh, yeah. It was just like a little too familiar. I don't know. Just something like that would normally strike me the wrong way that I'd, that I'd normally like react You'd to react, and dominate. Yeah. And I was just like, no. So I'm really practicing being more passive and finding love and observing it and looking objectively. And it's been really good, but it's been a super like fully cognitive intention. Like it takes everything and I still slip. Yeah, I yeah. can see how cannabis would work to, to help that. To and regulate I was so that. high. Like yeah. when I made the good move, I'd say, when I make the mistakes, I'm not high enough. Wow. Yeah, that's one like 100% of the time. It's like yeah. your your autonomic nervous system just like kicks into gear. And I, I like how you say dominance because that to me thinks that you're protecting yourself. I'm insecure. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like there's something that you feel you need to aggress against. Um, yes. Interesting. I had a friend who had Tourette's when I was in high school, a really big dude too, and it was problematic for him because having Tourette's and being a big dude like can cause problems. You can hurt someone you, too, it, like real quick or whatever. Well, it wasn't even just that. It's just like people are afraid because yeah. you're a big person who has the potential to do damage. And and I think that it was it was a challenge for him socially to get through that. Absolutely, it, I imagine. It would, it's already it was harder tough. for bigger people. <laughs> but but he used alcohol to regulate that, and it Ooh. just made him angrier, right? He didn't use cannabis, um, yeah. which is weird because we were all using cannabis back in the day, but he wasn't into it. That's up. Yeah, yeah I feel like that would just like actually go like just create more of it that feels like you're in in control, but you're actually not because you're just drunk. It's, so you're like, well, right. oh, like whatever. Like you yeah. you just you just judge it less, I guess, when you're drunk. Whereas when you're high. You there's more of a space between the reaction and the sensation, so you can like breathe in for that extra second and catch yourself before you yeah, swing. Cannabis slows us down, right? They, they people say that um, rather than drunk driving, it's uh, as opposed to drunk driving. When you smoke cannabis, it doesn't make you a more distracted driver; it makes you a more focused driver. <laughs> I, I she had me take it out of the last episode. I'm gonna make you and take it out of this episode. No, <laughs> listen, I, I would be a, I would be a worse driver if I wasn't high. Thank you. I got it's two against one. It's staying. Sorry, staying. but if, listen, if I wasn't medicated when driving, I would be nervous, uncomfortable. It's My chest would be up in it. Like, and and it's not just because of me myself. Like, dr- driving around Toronto. Let me tell you. Do you guys drive around Toronto? I have. We a lot. have. It's, yeah. it's terrible. You I can't. do it every day. I have to drive from Parkdale to Markham every single day. It's an Ooh. hour drive through the city. People drive like you should be giving this man free weed to do this drive. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like this should be safety. Like driving around the city is 
nerve wracking. Seatbelt joint. Cannot wait. I love that idea. Let's let's innovate that. Let's talk about that after the show. Let's get it pop. Let's get the rule in. But 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 like for real, I think that some people just need cannabis to function and it is a medicine. It's not an intoxicant. And when we start talking about people not being able to drive on cannabis, then we're starting to treat it like an intoxicant and not a medicine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I needed to say. Well there's gotta be some data on how brains like some brains just are different. Test my brain. Test his brain. Yo, I don't get high. Yeah. I don't get high. Give me a thousand milligrams. Give me dab after dab after dab. I can smoke hash all day long. I smoke big bats of here. I smoke like five of these a day. Um, Did you ever get high? When I was very Feel free, amigo. I will. Thank you. <laughs> when I was very very young, okay. I, I got high. He's the best. And I think at the very beginning of when I smoke cannabis, I do get a kind of physical relaxation. But I think that's might partially out of like the. The routine, the mm. uh, what's the word mm. I'm looking for? Yeah. Ritual. Yeah, the ritual. You're telling your body it's time to take a breath. It's ritual time. Yeah, you know. And if I did it with alcohol or cannabis or meditation or your central video nervous games, system would still go right. Okay. The same thing, yeah. right? It's just the different yeah. medium or you know that I'm using to get there. Yeah, that's why we push consistency with meditation so hard because there will come a point where you can reach that because of its ritualistic purpose, like place or, or the fam- familiarity of it. Yeah. So what kinds of, what kinds of um, meditation do you do? I'm so curious about that because we're trying to get into it and it's something that I used to be into, TM specifically, Transcendental. Nice. But um, what kinds of meditation do you guys do? You know, we just started with simple guided meditations that we found on apps and YouTube and shit and, um, and then we've kind of um, like gone separate ways in terms of what we listen to. I'm yeah. like really focused on... Um, like no stimulation meditation right now, so just me in the silence, and uh, it's like proving to be very challenging. <laughs> so, but like, how are you doing it? Are you laying down, sitting down, sit eyes up. open, eyes I closed? I sit up, cross-legged, spine straight, eyes closed. And do you? And that works for you? Yeah, I get to a place um, I didn't yesterday, and then I went back to guided today because I knew what I needed, and it wasn't that. <laughs> um, but I get to a place where um, I've seen it like a couple times. It's like uh, nothing. It's basically like spinning nothing, <laughs> and sometimes images and stuff enter in the spinning nothing, but um, it feels also like nothing. So, or what some might call floating um and that place i feel the connection to everything and the like ultimate um fullness of like my human being Mm, i love that do you have you ever floated or taken dmt because what you're talking about right now brings me to a place where i've gone in both of those situations yeah. both in the float tank with sensory depth and with dmt yeah i i haven't i'm going to we it's all to healed up. it's time got it we should be super was, happy actually that you're here yeah. angelina blessed is uh yeah. is here <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, she off screen today yeah our plug actually to joe gotta shout out the plug yeah, all the time yeah, gratitude thank you. thank you um so what are what are you trying okay so we're really not trying <laughs> <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking about trying let's be real but it's okay, the ritual that's good you already have the software yeah so i learned um here i'll open pandora's box a little bit here i learned how to meditate in prison 
Oh, wow. From uh, a really old man who was locked up for 40 years, a guy that we knew as Blue, cool. white hair, um, beautiful blue eyes, and he was in there for a very long time. He taught me transcendental meditation, right. which um, is a little bit different. It's not like, uh, and I really like it because it doesn't like force you to do a chant or force you to think any certain thoughts or do anything. I kind of like how it's not guided. And here's how I was taught to do it. I was taught to do it sitting in a chair uh, or however you're most comfortable. If that's a sofa or a chair or lying or propped up or whatever it is, just be comfortable. That's, that's what I was told and how I was taught. And I was also told and taught that uh, you don't have to keep your eyes closed. Absolutely. That you could have your eyes just relaxed and just like focused on somewhere on the ground or on a picture that you really like or something like that. That Just relaxing your gaze is what it's really about is you're not looking at something. You're just really kind of relaxing your eyes. And you're not cognitively processing through sight. And you're also not deliberately trying to keep your eyes closed. And I, and this is kind of what I've always had a problem with about like yoga mm. is that you're trying to do yoga. When, at what point can you just let go really? When can we do intuitive movement where it's like, what works for you? You don't have to hold it for one minute. We don't have to do 10 pushups or 10 reps. Like what works for your body? I love that yeah. so much. Um, yeah. This is intuitive living. So we are one with spirit. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's good. It, it, that's how I meditate as well is, yeah. is you allow the thoughts to pass. So it's not about controlling the thoughts. It's about sitting there and to your point about like doing it habitually. It's this idea of we are receivers of thought. Mm-hmm. I don't control my thoughts. I allow the thoughts to enter my mind and exit my mind. I don't have to think about them. It's yeah. the practice of allowing thoughts to wash over you and wash back away yeah. uh, and not trying to control it. And so taking five minutes a day, this is where I need to try get back to is taking five minutes a day, that, two times a day. It's that sit down time. It's that sit down time to both of your points. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to actually sit and do the time allowing yourself to be just an open conduit to receiving information. That's incredible. Yeah. I would say that that is, I agree, it's 100% the soft skill of meditating. For me, the hard skill practice that I do enjoy, and I love how you asked about form right off the top, <clears throat> is cross-legged, back straight, intention to reach lotus, probably never gonna happen with my knee, but that's fine, it's intention, right? And it's the breath. It's the regulation of the breath, the calming, the eyes close for me because when I relax these optic nerves, my third eye one is more ten- nice. prone to open. I can feel it. And it's been years because it was calcified and it was like, and it, and it eventually just like bust open. And then you could feel it. And so. How did you decalcify? Um, I don't know. Just meditating. Oh, okay. Just meditating. It was DMT for me. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I felt it happen in a moment. Like. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't sense. mean to interrupt you. No, you were please, talking about no, something so I'm right huge. in there with you. No, um, I love it. And um, no, I'm, so so the hard skill of meditating is uh, is literally like Wim Hof breathing for me. You know, it's kind of but without the timed intention, as you say, it's literally just in and out. And you know, your first breath is like. You know, it doesn't always come out like it's you know, one. And then by the time I'm done meditating, it's yes. You know, so I like remind my system what is going on here. 
like as well as remind my brain that this isn't the ego thing that you thought was going on like you know your momentum is still in the trajectory of this dimension or your plans are still happening but like remember that we're like that and not just this you know so it's kind of like there's i agree with like man that letting the thoughts pass no like what you're not your thoughts they're just thoughts oh man what a fucking hack to know but you know what you breathe you're totally right about breathing it's something that i'm again i'm trying to practice it it's just learning about it it's like i'm just learning how to breathe oh i realize it's not an automatic function i actually to take a good breath yes not like these short little fucking Piddly panic, little panic breath. That's basically how I live my life, right? Yeah. All of us, all of us, <laughs> right? Like that, yeah. So just holding all the time, holding, 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 uh, and then finally, maybe at the end of the day, it's like, oh yeah, right. I can breathe. Um, so yeah, I'm, your breath is huge. I'm yeah. really trying to learn uh, yeah. how to breathe. Yeah, that's it. It's a good one. It's like it helps the brain, oxygenates the blood, and like it's magic. Like, did you ever try the Wim Hof stuff? Yeah, I I actually uh, had a neighbor named Marie who lives actually not too far from here who got trained in Wim Hof. Cool. Uh, is a real well-known from trainer him? in Toronto. Uh, from him. Yeah. Sick. From him directly and uh, got certification and everything. She does it here in Toronto. I, th- I think breathing is kind of trending right now. Yeah. It's funny. After all of the stuff we've gone through for the last couple <laughs> years, it's breath. funny. People are learning how to breathe. <laughs> well, I mean, figure. It, it posed a couple questions, right? Like, you know, with the whole mask stuff and, and you know, to, I think, to your point of looking things objectively and the brilliance and wisdom in that is no matter what we feel about the last couple of years, new awarenesses have popped up. New awarenesses. We've checked out yeah. more shit that we never thought of before in, in that way, that intensely. Yeah. So even if someone came from a place of like, yo, fuck these masks, and they like found all these breathing things and that led them to simply doing breathing exercises because they're like a little version of like self-control rebellion. You know what I mean? Like, great, like, great, there's just more people breathing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think probably more people have like felt anxiety for the first time than ever before either. That's true. So they were like, this doesn't normally happen. How do I fix this? Yeah, like, that's a really good they, point. Like, yeah. and, and maybe even if they felt anxiety, maybe they didn't have a name for it, but now yeah. they do. They like found the name anxiety for yeah. what they've been feeling. And communicate it. Yeah. And now they can communicate it. Now that they put a name to it, they can actually do something about it. Yeah, definitely. The pandemic has um, changed us all in one way or another. Yeah. yeah, it certainly has. Okay, this has been so beautiful getting philosophical. I definitely want to hear all your thoughts, but I do want to milk your brilliant brain for more information on the cannabis plant. Let's do yeah. it. Let's talk, because we do have like a smattering of hash in front of us. Yes. We've got the hash kettle beside Selfishly, us. Selfishly, I want to get to the plant again. Let's do it. <laughs> um, what the fuck is so special about hash? Mm. Why are you Joe Hash? Mm. What'd you do at Hash Co? And when can I smoke this Khalifa Mint's Headwater? Um, Delicious hash. Well, I mean, you can start smoking it right now okay, while same. I start telling you okay. the story of okay, hash. Okay, deal. Okay, deal. I mean, okay, so like hash goes way, 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 way back as old as cannabis is, right? At some point, people started collecting resin from the plant, just like we collect honey. 
um, and that's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. When we talk about making hash or collecting hash from a plant, what we're really talking about, I know you guys probably know, everybody in this room, but for some of your viewers that may not know, mm -hmm. um, it's the collected resinous glands from the cannabis plant. So if you look at a cannabis plant, the flower, it has sticky glands all over it, and it has green and purple plant material. The green and purple plant material doesn't really do much when it interacts with our bodies. It's really just chlorophyll and plant material. Mm. So as a hash maker, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to collect all of that resin, mush it all together, and give you more bang for your buck, so to speak. Yes. Uh, so instead of having to combust plant material that doesn't really interact with your body very much, it's kind of carcinogenic to inhale, um, and it's inefficient, right? Like we're consuming all these big flowers that take up space and don't do anything to us. So you know what i'm trying to do is separate the medicine or the activating compound in the cannabis uh, and that's basically what hash is that many thousands of years traditions and where the word assassin comes from even Hash hashashin assassin stop the, that's so cool the word if you guys didn't know no the <laughs> word assassin comes from hashashin these are a tribe of people who back in gosh i mean the early ad hundreds i forget the name of the man who um was their leader but it was uh, um a man in the mountains who led a group of assassins and they did very high profile secretive killings of Fuck. royal family members and um, government employees and they also smoked a lot of hash and the theory is that these guys would get really fucked up on hash before they would go kill someone oh my god oh my god that's hilarious i feel like how could you get so high on hash and want to kill, kill, kill someone because <laughs> then you go right back to where the hash was and forget about doing what you did and i think that's what it was a cult it was a bit of a cult yeah um, and if you read about it you can google this it's all online right a uh, really well-known history i think there's uh, with uh, sick traditions, they did a weed tea before they went into battle. Yeah. And Humble was telling me about that. And I said the same thing. I was like, dude, if I got high on edibles, I'd be like, you know what? Fuck this war, man. Let's just, <laughs> do you want to just chill out? <laughs> like, let's just, there's water right here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think a lot of drugs are like that. We, we saw that happen in Vietnam. We saw that happen in the MK Ultra studies uh, where soldiers were given LSD and they were like, oh, what am I doing here? I don't want to have anything to do with this killing because, stuff. Yeah, you're connect you get connected. It snaps you into thinking from a higher perspective. It just it pulls back all of the social construction. We, mm. we live in a world of social construction and when you use any drug, uh, I think even alcohol sometimes can get you there. But even tobacco, right? Like indigenous peoples have used tobacco for many years to get there. It's just that you're getting out of your body enough mm. that you can see there's a world beyond yourself. It's ego death, Ugh. right? It's ego death. As soon as you start to mm. consume any kind of a compound that takes you away from this experience of sobriety and this is not a world that i recommend to be sober for by the way uh, <laughs> you know our peoples have been getting inebriated for millennia we want to millions of years we want to get lifted like you guys know uh, the stoned ape theory right the found uh, mushrooms and that's how yeah. we pretty much became that's it it pretty much makes a lot of sense psilocybin we, we were up in trees for a whole lot of time shout out alchemy gold 
I like that. Yeah. You know somebody who's into this stuff? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's stoned ape theory. I think it's it's Paul Paul Stamets uh, is a big mushroom guy who talks about this. Uh, we yeah. were swinging around in trees for a long time. There was probably a food shortage of some kind that forced us down from the trees. We got onto land, and what is there? Mushrooms. And what happens when you you know move forward hundreds of thousands of years? We're following herds of animals now. What grows from the shit of herds of animals? Mushrooms. So we were exposed to mushrooms like a long for a long period of our history. And yes, the theory is is that it changed our brains, uh, our pineal gland, the third eye, and uh, changed the structure of our frontal lobes. Wow. Yeah. And then we became. It's and then the we became. It, it makes the most sense out of all the options to me. I mean, there was some stuff on Gaia that was like, um, we are a mix of an alien race. Yeah. You, you, you know. want to go there? Are we going Anunnaki? There's, yeah, Anunnaki. Reptilian exactly. Anunnaki. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You got it. You, you know what? This um, guy speaks my language so good. I love it. I, I think the truth of that is panspermia. I think the truth, if you go way back to that, like forget about all the conspiracy stuff and planet nine or 10 or whatever it is, um, I do believe in panspermia, which is this idea of life traveling through the universe. Yeah and an asteroid carrying some small piece of life that hit Earth and you've got some primordial soup theory, sure. right? And a bolt of lightning or something happened. Life finds a way. Um, life finds a way. Mm, that's so lovely. I didn't write that. That comes from a movie somewhere that I saw in the 80s, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's gonna be used as a like snippet it. regardless. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to look that one up after and who actually came up with it. Right. But yeah, I, I think that um, the truth behind the alien thing is we're actually battling our reptilian brain. And we're, we're constantly like moving forward in evolution. It's our frontal lobes. We're like, okay, we're human. We're human. We're human, right? We can respect each other. We can re relate to each other and not be animalistic and not be fucking assholes to each other. Yeah. Because I think that's what the conversation is when we talk about aliens and things we don't understand. Like we created religion. That's just us in the future. That's, that's, ex I've been saying that for fucking years. Yeah, bro. bro. It's yeah. totally just us it's in the just future. It's time travel. Something it, like that. It's not, it's not other itself reflected from different time pattern. If the Big Bang is true, Okay, if we take the Big Bang as true and you were to draw the Big Bang and see how far it's like splashed out from its center, which has been essentially agreed upon by many quantum physicists and um, astrophysicists in the field, um, there have been areas of the universe that have been around for millions of years longer than us. Are we really thinking that there's never been anything else before us? Are we really thinking that there's not humans that have figured out some stuff before us. I yeah. don't know. Thousand percent. Yeah. yeah, the Earth has done many things like before we've landed on this version of us building in the third dimension this time. But ultimately, you gotta look at it from a, a, a source conscious perspective where it's just like what this moment is right in front of us is just a beautiful like projection of like our perception. And like we're meaning making machines and we figured out that you know a good life is about a hundred years and we come manifest grow learn rinse and do it again like from infinite way it's like when we try and chase matter around as fascinating as the data is and how mm -hmm. it can lead to new discovery it's like i i've almost found more beauty in not knowing the specific answers to those things and just like trusting that like this moment is a gift somehow yes. somehow it's like a fluke 
and I'm happy to be part of it. <laughs> like, be here now. Yeah, you know. Baba Ram Das is be here now, like living in the moment. I think that's uh, that's how I live. You can only control now. Now yeah. is all that ever exists. You don't have then or in the future. You don't have past or future. Yes. You only have now. That's all we can control. So just don't be a prick right now. <laughs> yeah, don't be a prick. That's that's your good. We so went left field. From I hash I was just I was Sorry. gonna say, and this started the conversation started with hash and ended with don't be a prick and that's beautiful yeah but please okay so um i accidentally sucked up a whole little ball of hash because i didn't put it on the sword like you told me to yeah yeah, yeah. no but that ha that can happen so okay. there's only there's only a couple kinds of hash that i've given you that you can use this for okay so i've written one here called gmo dabs gmo dabs this is the one that you should be using with this nectar collector or uh, dab device that we have here. So cool. Um, and this is more like a buttery substance rather than uh, powdery? Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So yeah, it's a more buttery oh, substance. Oh, the terps are banging on this. Yeah, that's GMO. Oh my god. Yeah, sweaty gym socks, hockey bag, dirty hockey bag. Uh, it's kind of garlicky. Yeah, it is garlicky. Garlic and it's mushroom. quite garlic. It's very garlicky and mushroomy. Umami. Very umami. Love that word to describe it, yes. Rich. So I've given you the bubble hash version of it, and maybe this is a good starting point for the discussion, right? Is we've got GMO and GMO. But right. what's different about these different GMO hashes? So oh. I don't know if maybe you'd want to show people in, in the camera or whatever, but there's the buttery version, which is dabable. It's a concentrate which you can actually vaporize, and it will leave nothing um, at all in your tools whatsoever. And then there's another kind of a hash. Winnie's going to bring it a little bit closer for you so you can see. There's another kind of hash that we call bubble hash. <gasps> Very soft, eh? Oh. Give that a smell. Oh, yeah. The viewers will love that, too. Whoa. So that you smoke like you would smoke in a pipe or a joint or a bong or something like that. So you wouldn't actually use on this vaporization flour. on flour or with flour. Okay. Yeah. Wow, and what's the process to the difference of making them? I love that you asked that. I could talk about this all day long. Yes. Uh, okay, so I use ice water extraction to make these products, which literally means putting a bunch of weed in water and ice. Some people would be like, no, you're ruining it. But actually the science shows that water activates cannabis. Uh, and what we do is we agitate the cannabis to remove the trichome heads. The trichomes are those glands, those resinous glands I was talking about earlier on the side of the plant yeah. uh, that are all sticky. We remove the glands from the plant. We it, dry with them water? with water and ice, ice water extraction and agitation. It's just agitation and separation. We put them in nylon, food grade nylon sieve bags. And basically like you would sieve for gold, you're sieving for... Gold. for resin for, for gold. gold and it does it does really feel like that like it oh definitely feels God. like you're gathering gold oh my um, goodness what a cool process it is it's a great fun hobby oh it smells so good so you scoop that resin which we call a trichome slurry you dry it in a freeze dryer which is used um, to make freeze-dried foods typically but we use it to dry hash and then um, you keep it either as bubble like the, the second one that Winnie showed you guys uh, or you can put it in a rosin press and refine it another time and create something called hash rosin. Uh, so you put it okay. in another kind of food grade nylon bag. You squish it under pressure and heat 
it oozes out the oleo resin oh, inside of the trichome. Yes, I've seen this. And yes. you've seen a lot of these videos on Instagram, I'm sure. You see the, Chris, the drip it's, videos. It's, it's <laughs> like okay. a mechanic thing, and it's like thousands of pounds of pressure. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's that was, it. It was intense. That was pretty incredible that that, that happened. Okay, so this is just the stuff gathered together. That's it. And this is the stuff gathered together, then pressed. Again, yeah, that's right. Then wow. refined again, correct, under heat and pressure. So what you're actually doing is, um, is there's, a, there's a, it's a double refinement. The trichome, which is the sticky part of the plant, looks like, um, it's a resinous gland. It looks like a stalk and a head on top. Yeah. And you're trying to knock that head off. And what we're doing is we're getting some of this stalk still in the bubble hash. And when you refine it again, not only are you removing those stalks, but you're also breaking open that shell, the cellulose shell of the trichome head, and the oleoresins within it start to ooze out. So all your terpenoids, all your flavonoids, all your cannabinoids, all start coming out, and that's what we gather. We collect it and put it in a jar. That is so fascinating and brilliant and fun and delightful and seems like such a forward way to interact with cannabis. Yeah, it saves a, you a lot of money. Really? Oh yeah, like it's wastage. What? What? Smoking flour is a huge waste. Like, the, I Tell think what? I think it's going the way of the dodo, man. I think it. People who consume flour are going to be hanging up their cowboy hats and spurs very soon. It's going to be like people who um, rolled their own tobacco. Really? Yeah, people who buy pouches of tobacco, like who does that anymore? <laughs> Fuck, I, well that's what you see, like if you yes. see the kids, like I remember like when I was 15, 16, you know, your friends like get a joint, like smoke some weed, like, you know, and now the kids are like, you have a vape. You know, like it's a vape, it. it's a vape now. It's and wild. beverages. Yeah. I know, like cheers. And edibles. Eh? Right, like, like these like these are the friendly ways to consume that we could yeah. actually bring into social consumption lounges. Like this, yes. this we could have a cannabis bar, It'd and you great. can serve just drinks. It's nano emulsified. It's in and out of your system really quickly. You're not getting drunk. To your point about what happens to people when they drink and they get all Ooh. that doesn't happen on cannabis really. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to all the new form factors we call it um, of cannabis that aren't combustible that are not. Us smoking it. And I love the flower. I love the plant and working with it. But it's a raw commodity. It's almost like um, looking at the hops in your beer. Oh, yeah. And to me, wow. it's only an evolution of time. It's only like we haven't had a hundred years since alcohol prohibition. Like alcohol prohibition has had a hundred years to create the kinds of alcohol products we currently have. Right. Uh, and to be served to us the way that it is. We don't, haven't had that time with cannabis yeah. with innovation yet. And even if you look at the cigarette companies these days, the, the Rothmans of this world, the big multi-billion dollar tobacco companies, they're getting away from combustion. Fuck yeah. They're not going to be selling cigarettes in five to ten years. They're getting away just the from vapes. just the vapes. Yeah. So, so I think raw flour is going to be not a big seller in five to ten years. You Whoa, can, you, that's such a crazy prediction. I've... I, I've never like fully landed there because I'm such a fan. Me too. But like, yeah, you gotta accept that we are the old heads going on now. I, I think it's just um, economically, like it's not a preference thing. It's just that when I look at the business of cannabis, I don't think it's economic vi economically viable. It only made sense to sell cannabis flour in, in bags because it was illegal. We did it by 
by not paying rent, by not paying for power, by not paying for water, by yeah. doing it illegally, by not paying taxes, and now you have to pay for your location. You have to pay your staff. You have to pay your and all these bullshit certifications and all this nonsense and all this like over scrutinizing of the retail process and advertisement and it's like like give someone an eye patch and tie their hand behind their back and tell them to go fight five guys build an airplane in the sky like that's absolutely yeah. obscene and it's actually still going even that fucking astounds me but it's a raw commodity it's it, again it's like corn it's like taking corn and putting it in a bag and selling it in this store and putting, making it flashy. It's like, corn! Like, it, it doesn't make sense. We just haven't evolved, oh the, we just haven't evolved the commodity yet. Like what, what the world is waiting for is, is the Kellogg's. They're waiting for you to take a cannabinoid, to, a small amount of it, wrap it around all this foofy stuff. Think, think like beauty products, right? They take this small amount of like Q10, Q CoQ10 something. They put uh. it with all the foofy stuff. They put it in an expensive package and you are willing happily to pay the premium for that product. Yes. We don't have that in cannabis yet. That's Fuck. what the, the world, the grand world, not the stoners of this world, not the cannabis people from the past 10 years, right. but like, the larger world right. and the new generations of people who don't yeah. think smoking is cool, they're waiting for a nice snappy product. Fuck. They're waiting for Bazooka Joe of cannabis so they can just pick it up quickly totally. and conveniently and they're willing to pay a premium for it. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. Wow, well said. That's sick. You heard it here, folks. Yo. <laughs> and I don't, I don't love it. Like, trust me, I'm not like racing towards this, but it's definitely a reality that I see, especially as these big U.S. companies and like you get big Canadian companies too, like Constellation Brand, who bought into Canopy Tweed. Um, that's a beverage company that owns a whole bunch of craft breweries that are operated as if they're craft, craft. but they're not. So that's the way this world is going, and it's not about a preference of whether I want it to go this way or not. It's just that big company. If we if we want the cannabis industry to be legal, like be careful what you wish for, right? Like it's legal now. Yeah. These big companies are going to get in. The Unilevers that we were talking about yeah. at the beginning of this show, the PNGs, they're going to get in and they're going to make it like every other shampoo, butter, <laughs> breakfast cereal <laughs> product that you currently buy. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It got to go that route to become that kind of main uh, mainstream topic for people to accept. Do you want it to be normalized or not? Exactly. Even just symbolically for it to be a discussion on the table, it's like instead of people's even, no one says uh, tissue, they say Kleenex. Yeah. You know, or like, it passed yeah. me the head and shoulders. Like, there has to be a brand. And for us, legacy Chapstick. folks, exactly. great example. That's the one for me. Right. Yeah. You know, and that shit sticks and it's part of it. And uh, yeah. before you know it, there will be uh, some sort of tacky Christmas commercial <laughs> hey. like, like with polar bears I, <laughs> I can't wait to see a commercial a cannabis that'd commercial that'd be great fuck well, be great. They, they have them in the US but not here the classic cannabis commercial that I actually show to my students is done by uh, MedMen have you seen it no way the first cannabis commercial I'd love to see it oh my goodness it's Beautiful. We'll so, roll it here as long as we can. Oh my goodness, you guys should roll this thing. There's actually a behind the scenes of it. It's yeah. the guy who did uh, Jackass, who was the director of Jackass. Brilliant director. And he's done a whole bunch of Brody. movies. Brody? No, I wish I could remember his name. He's like uh, Spike Jones. 
Oh. It's Spike Jones, okay? Like, really well-known. Um, he's done music videos for FKJ Twigs and Janet Jackson and, like, huge music videos that are gorgeous. And he made the first ever cannabis commercial for a company called MedMen in the United States. Yeah, well, I know. I've been to MedMen. I've been to MedMen. It's the yeah. Apple store. The Apple store weed. Exactly. Of weed, right? So he, they paid a bunch of money to get Spike Jones to make the first cannabis commercial. And what they did, it probably ran out of fuel. Shit. Um, he created a life-size diorama. Remember when we built dioramas as kids yep. in high school? Shoebox. Mm -hmm. So he did a life-size shoebox, but he did like five of them connected on a soundstage. And he went from one to the next to the next to the next chronologically in time from uh, George Washington, because he was a hemp farmer. Right. Uh, all the way through to like black people getting arrested disproportionately to the legalization of cannabis and like he went through it all in one panning single shot yes it's whoa gorgeous wow. really well done and Ugh. one actor plays three characters in the same commercial ah so whoa. he's doing costume changes behind the scenes before the shot it's oh my. it's really beautiful it's oh a great God. piece and if you see the behind the scenes it you will cry to oh talk about God. veterans getting access and it, yeah so there there are some cannabis commercials out there but uh, that's the one to see yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely look that up right right after this. Can you tell us about this kettle? <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely. Can you, so I really, you asked about Hashco. Yeah. It's a company that I uh, started with my friends called the Hash Corporation. So cool. We focus on hash. I'm wearing the shirt here, right? Um, it's the only company in Canada that only does hash. They don't do pre-rolls. They don't do drinks. They don't do flour in a bag. Yeah. They only focus on hash. And it's really traditional hash, not the new hashes that we've been talking about. So Hashco makes uh, most famously a black hash, Ooh. like an Afghan style hash. And I brought this one for you guys to keep. Oh, This one's already open, so we'll use this one to try. Hashco Gold Seal Hash. Yeah. And so if you know about gold seal or seals from back in the day, this was like, you know, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s when there were weed droughts in Canada, in Ontario and Quebec, there were times where you just couldn't get weed. And so yeah. you could get a brick of hash and it would last you for the winter or something. It would kind of like, you know, get you by. That's what this is. This is like the same kind of sticky black hash that we used to get back nice. in the day that's bendy. It's not just pressed keef like a lot of the other cannabis companies are doing these days. Oh, hold on. Pressed Keef? Yeah, most hash on the market right now, like your 48 Norths, uh, they're doing like a, they're just pressing yeah. Keef in a in a press for a long period of time with some heat. So what's It's the, not like this. Yeah. Okay. It so, looks like that though. Like that. Uh, it, it, no, no, it doesn't look like that. It looks like that. It looks what like you pressed said. Keef. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what it this is. This classic, yeah. yeah, this hash, like this is the hash that my dad had. It, that's exactly it. Yeah, for sure. And, and we don't try to be, pass it to Winnie. Oh, sorry. Check it out too. I've got another piece here. Uh, and we're not trying to be the best hash. That's not what we're trying to be at Hashco. What I'm no again, I'm no longer there, but they're my friends. They're like my best yeah. buddies. So I still feel very Hashco. I wear the shirt. I rep the stuff. Oh, we're wrapping um, wow. Hashco now too. Right? That's nice. So we're not trying to be the best hash. We're just trying to be the hash that you remember from high school. I love that hash, man. It's right? hard yeah. to actually find that hash That's these days. exactly yes. it. So here, Winnie, what I'll do is. I don't, yeah, I didn't know you could find that hash on legal. Yeah. Like that's a legacy thing. And that's it. And it's got that smell. It's got that like yeah, old world totally. smell. I love it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll up a snake, which you guys probably are familiar with Bro. from joints, right? Yes. Um, do you remember doing bottle tokes back in the day? Yep. 
you would no. she's a later stoner you're a later stoner yeah. so bottle tokes you take uh, either a can mm -hmm. or a plastic bottle you cut a hole in it you can take a glass bottle with a dime in it scratch it a little bit smack it on your foot on the in your heel and it would crack open a perfect circle oh what yeah yeah if you were good at what you were doing you knew how to do bottle tokes yeah jordan jordan could do that yeah there's always one kid who there's who always could do one it. person who could yeah. do it um you'd put a little um piece of hash about this big on the end of a cigarette you'd close the top of it and then you would uh, brew the little piece of hash on the end of a cigarette in the bottle let the tobacco kind of dissipate a little bit and then suck it up and that's mm -hmm. a bottle toke a bt so i have been doing those for years with my friends and um this is actually a shout out to two people in the industry in the cannabis industry adam brockest from mother labs and bubba from thrive um adam. gray beard all both beautiful people both right? beautiful, beautiful humans people. uh so they a couple years ago it might have even been during the pandemic they were hanging out somewhere at a park bench and they were brewing hash in a whiskey cup with a <laughs> coaster on a dowel. This was their system, right? It was really cool and classy, and they kind of brought the discussion of brewing hash back. So so that's the first uh, inspiration for it, was Adam and Bubba, they, they oh. were brewing hash, and they brought it onto social media, and they started that conversation again. And people were like, oh, brewing hash is a thing. I'm hanging out at Adam Brockist's house for a party one night. We're in the back, and he pulls out his cup to do the brewing thing. And I say to him, hey, because he's using a joint. He's using like a cut joint in a cup mm. and it's like hung over the cut joint and it's paper and it's like, it's kind of janky, right? It's like, it's nice, but it's like, it's, it's rudimentary. Right. So I, I'm like, makeshift. it's a little makeshift. So I take a few tokes, I get some inspiration and I'm like, hey, why don't we just make this? And they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, like, let's make this. Like we know glass blowers in Ontario, really well-known ones why don't we just get one of our glass blower friends to make us this out of glass so you don't have to use a dowel mm -hmm. and a coaster. And they were like, wow, that's really fucking smart. <laughs> you solved your own problem. So I call, you I called it to the marketplace. Yeah, I did. And I, I called the glass blower and I told him the idea. He's like, draw me an idea, go back to the office the next morning, drew the idea down, sent it to him. And he came up with some prototypes. Um, and some people have some of those prototypes. Bubba has one of the prototypes oh. and art from thrive has one of the prototypes. And there are several people around the city and in the industry who have one of the 10 first hash kettles ever made. But this is not one of those. This is a special kettle that was made for me by the glass blower. His name is Drew Mastaglass. He's on uh, Instagram as Mastaglass. He's known for having the world's largest bong. He had to stand on the roof of a house to smoke it. What? Oh Whoa. yeah, there's a great video of it. He's also known as Masterola. If you guys know him from old cannabis days, very well-known glass blower. Yes. He makes recyclers for dabbing and he made these uh, Weedle nectar oh, wow. collector devices as well. He's a great glass blower here in wow. Ontario, Canada, North America, the world. Beautiful. So he made these hash kettles and he's making them in partnership with the Hash Corporation. You can see the logo here for Hashco. Yes. Golden. Uh, emboldened and whatever it is. Beautiful. That word. Yeah. It looks like beautified a... into the glass. Um, and this one actually has some crushed opal on the top. Oh. So it's nice and shiny. Oh. And there's a piece of opal in the top. Yeah. So what we do is to get the hash kettle working is you roll the snake just like you would for a joint. But instead of putting it in a joint, you light the end. And only certain kinds of hash will work for this. Some is Some are too melty. Um, and too soft and some is too dry. So it's really like a certain kind of hash that works. And I'm, I'm hoping that this hash works, right? 
it has to char a little bit and I you have to get a cherry. Will. There we go. So what I'm doing now is I'm just hanging this piece of hash on the glass dowel on the inside. My He's sticking God. it in. Yep. We put the top on. Oh my God, it's like a Persian tea set for oh weed. Oh my God. And it looks like that. Like your grandma would come in here and see this and be like, oh honey, what a beautiful oil fucking container you got. She wouldn't say the fucking Take a hit, part. Nona. Oh my God. That and now is you're brewing gorgeous. hash. No tobacco, no weed. It's pure flavor of the hash. It's cascading down beautifully. You get to watch it. And if you want to do it COVID safe or share safe, you can just open the lid and drink it. So you don't actually have to use the spout, but you can if you want. Winnie. I heart this so hard. Thank you. These are available in stores uh, all over Ontario. So you mentioned one earlier, Sticky Nugs. Who do yeah. you know there at Sticky Nugs? Sam, the owner. Sam. And Chris's daughter and Joe, his son. Yeah. Ghost Drop store has them. Stoked is probably the me the best stocked store for them. Stoked really? has a, sh a store in Scarborough on Pharmacy. They have another one down the uh, road on Kingston. They've got another store in Niagara, opening another one on Eglinton. Stoked is probably the best brand to get your uh, hash kettle from. Awesome. in terms of cannabis retail stores. But yeah, if you're a cannabis retail store and you want to carry hash kettles, just reach out to Hashco. I'm sure they'd uh, hook you up. They are limited though. Drew can only make so many. Yeah. So these are special mm -hmm. individual art pieces pretty much as well. They, I'm glad you said that. They actually are. He is um, engraving on the bottom a number this and guy's his a name onto the bottom. So it is an art piece. We do treat them that way. It's going to be a limited run of a thousand hash kettles. He will probably never make more than that. So if you can grab one, uh, Congrats. It's, it's a unique piece for sure. Fuck. What a nice thing. This, so this, nice. This goes right in with the thing that I'm saying. Instead of friends getting together <coughs> and having to drink alcohol, like the social norm, that's like kind of, you know, still at play, but maybe on the way out, let's normalize just getting together and doing either mind expansive drugs or, or having some like hash kettle passing. This is cute, it's like having tea. Uh, you yeah. wouldn't even need to passing. Imagine a social consumption space where they had a whole bunch yeah. of these. You could design, you could choose the design that you wanted and each one of you have one and there's different kinds and it's then like we're passing it around. Hookah, yeah. but with hash. Yeah. Yes. This is so nice. So nice. And in glass. So I oh. think I think that's also a big conversation is this is glass, right? Um, and glass and cannabis kind of go hand in hand. It has for so long. Pipes, bongs, like there's so many different... It's a special relationship. There is a special relationship between glass and, and even alcohol and food. Big relationship. So Humans like, it's like to like receive with a uh, very trust glass. It's very familiar in that way. It's ceremonious. Yeah. I, I like what you said about receiving. Like we like putting things that we consume in yeah. glass before we consume it. It almost beautifies it or it, it actually does effectively do things like cure it. Pre People cure their cannabis in glass, right? Right, yeah. Fuck, dude. I'm so impressed how you just stuck that to the side. <laughs> that just works like that yeah. with good hash. Well, with good ha the right hash. The right. Um, yeah, and then the dowel also gets sticky over time, right? And so after you use it once oh, nice. or twice, that stick helps to keep sticking it. Oh, that is true. And it just works with gravity, right? And I, the little bit of oxygen that gets pulled in every time we toke, and because this isn't firmly on, there's a bit of oxygen that gets pulled in. Oh, my God. Which keeps it lit. That is lit. That yeah. is triple lit. Oh, yeah, that's fucking sick, dude. Holy. Congratulations. Yeah, that's so fun. So you were just like a stoner, solved your own problem, and then like... 
and made it fucking gifted cool. this to the world. Yeah, Big I mean, collabo. I think we needed we need to to the point of formalizing cannabis. We need different ways of consuming it that elevate it, mm. that respect that respect the individuals who choose to consume cannabis instead of alcohol. Yes, you know, if we had things like this to consume it in instead of burning paper maybe the wider world would be more accepting and maybe mm. it would be less stigmatized because your grandmother could look at this and be like, oh, honey, that is the most beautiful incense burner that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could be like, oh, grandma, you know, I, I appreciate that, but it's not an incense burner. It's for cannabis. And now that we're having this conversation, you started off at this good point of appreciation, not of like, oh, what's that smell or like, yeah. or anything like that. You've started off on a good foot because the thing that you're using uh, doesn't look like a crack pipe. <laughs> Which is fine too if you just want to get fine tuned. Yeah, if you want to get uh, medical, if you want to get medicated really, really quickly. Which I feel like beautifully high. Yeah, me too. I feel yeah. tremendously mm. high. Yeah, hash yeah. does that. It has a very different high for me than cannabis. Yeah. Oh, then just the flower, right? Yeah, I find the flower is more of a punch to the face, whereas oh, yes. the hash high is a whole body thing. Um, yes. There's definitely something that's going on when I have hash that's more wavy, groovy, um, holistic, happy high than when I smoke flower to my face. I really do feel like that. Oh, hi, dog. It's Ralph. Hey, yeah. Ralphie. I feel like I want to see if our massage people are still open, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how I feel on hash. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. Just chill out. Dude, I feel so fulfilled and blessed that you came and gave like your heart and time yeah, with us what an and episode. shared Holy. so many beautiful stories and perspectives. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've changed. Yeah, I need to just like go back and listen to this immediately. I really appreciate being here with you guys. You guys make awesome content and it's, you know, like it's such a pleasure to be on here with you. I watched you guys with Ange and I've watched you guys with several other people and I think that this is a great opportunity for people to uh, start to have bigger, better conversations about cannabis. Thank you so much, man. And thank you for being a part of that world and expanding the awareness and Mm -hmm. consciousness of cannabis like you're... Making Such it high value in that fuck. conversation. So, mm-hmm. love you for that, my man. Where can the people find you? Where where can they get at you? How can they they gain from the things that you know with the plant? Yeah. So, thanks for asking. Um, best place to find me is on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Joe J O E dot T dot O, like Joe Toronto. Joe dot T dot O. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to catch this again. Yeah, thank any, you. Any closing remarks, Win? I'm no, no. <laughs> I know my mind is blown and I'm high as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> was, I need to take a moment to absorb. I think now. Okay, love yourself and love others. Bye. The gateway drug to mindfulness. Gateway drug to mindfulness. Hey, win! We got a new thing. Oh, right! We need to tell you about our new thing. Support the show now on Patreon and get a bunch of private perks. 